It's time for Red Zone Talk, presented by Olympia Orthopedic Associates on 95.3 KGY. A weekly look at high school football in the area with your hosts, Noel Wall and Olympian prep contributor, Dave Weber. And good morning and welcome to Red Zone Talk. It's Season 5, Episode 6. I'm your host, Noel Wall, along with prep reporter Dave Weber. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Saw a good game last week. Getting ready to watch a critical two-way game this Friday night, tonight. All right. And we're going to have some fun today. This show will be available for podcast on the Red Zone Talk page of the KGY website, kgyfm.com. Last week's show is up there now. You can go hear it. Just uh, find the uh, on-air thing on the green line. Select uh, Red Zone Talk from the drop-down menu you will get there. You can also enter to win 911 Driving School Driver's Education for your soon-to-be new driver. Uh, later on this show, we got an interview, an exclusive Red Zone Talk interview. Dave chats with Yelm running back Kyle Robinson about their big win last week. That was a huge one. Plus, uh, I had a conversation with Rebecca McLennan of Olympia Orthopedic Associates. I talked to her the other day about the amazing developments in stem cell therapies, regenerative medicine, and uh, that's an exciting one. We'll talk about that later. But let's dive right in and start with the 2B Mountain Division, the Rainiers. Uh, They stay undefeated after they beat Life Christian 53-12. They did, and that was the second week in a row. They scored exactly 53 points. There was a lot of buzz about Life Christian. They came in 4-0, and they're definitely a program on the rise, but... uh, that Mountain Division is just so tough, and Rainier is now ranked fourth in the state. And they had a great game from one of their versatile skill position players, Brody Klein. He rushed for 125 yards on 20 carries and caught two touchdown passes from Zach Lofgren. He also completed a pass because uh, four different Mounties took at least one snap at quarterback. You're always going to talk about uh, Zach Lofgren when you talk about the Mountaineers. He had an 80-yard touchdown run to help him finish with 141 total yards, just seven carries, completed three passes for 99 yards. Cole Risey, just short of triple digits with 96 yards. And here's the thing, uh, Noel, they uh, piled up 575 yards of total offense, and that was a mercy rule shortened game. The clock was running most of the second half. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and they'll be, uh, you know, but they themselves have to face ranked teams most every week because of the way the the Pacific League Mountain Division is stacked up. I mean, they've got four of their six teams ranked in that league. Um, Tonight they're going to be on the road at number five on Alaska. Right behind them in the state rankings, they won that game last year, thirty to twelve. It was also at on Alaska. Um, don't know why they're going back two years in a row. Probably odd number in the league or what have you. But um, two years in a row, go there. They won there last year. The loggers are coming off a forty-six to six route of Morton White Pass, and that's that knocked the Timberwolves out of the top ten. So a uh, couple of the better teams in a team in a very tough league meeting tonight. Yeah, both undefeated. Now you told me uh, off air that actually you're working on a feature f- uh, about Rainier's football coach, but it's not about being a football coach. Well, it's about being a couple of things. And Terry Shaw, who has uh, got the Mountaineers back into uh, the conversation, they broke a 25-year uh, state tournament drought last year. He's also the uh, choir director at Timberline, and it's quite a – you know, it sounds like – at first it sounds like some sort of crazy combination. Two How jobs you, you don't put together. Two normally. jobs you don't put together, but, you know, I went out for the purposes of that story. I was out there the other day watching him teach uh, – one of his choirs, uh, all-girls choir, and then I watched the co-ed symphonic choir for a bit. And there's a lot of similarities. And if you read the story, which should be in this morning's Olympian, you can uh, read all about it because it's a very interesting combination, but not quite as 
um, diametrically opposed, as you might think. You know, that's interesting, yeah, but because both the director of whether it's the choir or the orchestra, the band, and the coach, their real job is to get the best out of the people that are in front of them every day. Yeah, and Terry has a bunch of slogans on his wall of his classroom at Timberline, and they sound like a lot of things you'd use with a football team. And I said, uh, do you use those at Rainier? And he said, well, I don't, because he's a part-time employee. He doesn't have a wall there, but he says, yeah, he mentions those to his players all the time. So the same kind of encouragement works um, in both uh, pursuits. All right. All right. Well, let's, uh, we'll step up to the A schools, uh, Evergreen League to Nino Beavers. Uh, not able to get off the uh, ground, really. 0-5 now, uh, lost to unbeaten and powerful Hoquim, uh, 48-12. to Yeah, the Grizzlies are ranked. They're number 10 in the state, and uh, it was homecoming for them. They piled up almost 500 yards of total offense against the Beavers. Carl Hesaw did throw a pair of touchdown passes for Tonino, and you know they say got on the board. They've had some injury problems, as we've talked about in past weeks, so... Tough season for them, but hopefully they can get one or two before it's all done. And uh, they have a long road trip. This might be, uh, you know, a doable thing for them if they don't get bus lag because uh, they're going to go play three and two forks. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. They go up to forks tonight. The Spartans are three and one in the preseason, but they were shut out pretty decisively by number two Montesano in the opener of the one uh, A Evco forty to nothing. So we'll see what happens. Last year on the black turf of Beaver Stadium, Forks did win thirty two to twelve. So they would probably be the favorites at home, but as you mentioned, this might be a winnable one for the Beavers. All right. Well, good luck to them. Uh, we'll move on to now uh, 2A SPSL and River Ridge. The Hawks are 3-2 and two after topping Highline in a big score, 49 to nothing. Well, yeah, they've been, they've been brutalizing teams out of King County. They got Evergreen 50 to nothing, as you mentioned. That was down here at South Sound. But then the week before, up at Highline, they won 49 zip on the road. So they've outscored two opponents. 99 to nothing over the last two weeks. And they, you know, they're loaded. They've got a lot of good players. They're just, uh, unfortunately, in the league with Stelicum, which handed them a loss in their first league game. But their two power backs this past week, Karen Hunkin and Brian Malloy, both scored two touchdowns. Hunkin rushed for an even 100 yards, just six carries. The Hawks led that game 43 zip after the first quarter. So wow. it was never, never in doubt. Uh, Tomasi Manu is one of their speedy backs. He only carried it one time. And he read, he dashed eighty four yards for a touchdown. So, and you know they th- they went through the air too. Sophomore quarterback Javon Brown completed all six of his passes, one hundred thirty four yards and three touchdowns. Two to Dante Owens and one to Lamar Campbell. So, you know they've got the offense. They play pretty good defense. Just in a tough league, you know they they got they lost to Stelicum and uh, this week they got to yeah. go face you're, another team that's unbeaten in league. Yeah, you're going to tag along uh, as they uh, head to uh, Eatonville to take on the four and one overall Cruisers. Cruisers four and one in overall, but more importantly, they're three and zero in league. And everybody's kind of conceding that league to Stellicum, but um, got to wait and see until the Cruisers meet the Sentinels to see what's going to happen there. And River Ridge, although they have lost to uh, Stellicum, they could throw things into a, a, a tizzy if they were to beat the Cruisers. That would put Two teams with one loss behind Stelicum, and we'll see what happens with that. Stelicum's coming off a win last week over Ording. They beat them 38-21, and last season they did beat the Hawks, but it was a tough battle, 33-24. All right. Uh, Still to come, my interview with Rebecca McLennan of Olympia Orthopedic Associates about regenerative medicine and stem cell therapy. You'll want to hear that later in the show. Up next, we are going to hear Dave's interview with Kyle Robinson. We'll be back. On 95.3, this is Olympia's KGY. And welcome back once again to Red Zone Talk. I'm Noel Wall, Dave Weber, 
uh, is right over there, and uh, we're going to save the rest of the 2A teams till a little bit later in the show. And we're going to head right to South Sound Conference 3A, and we are going to talk about Yelm, who are now 3-2. and two. Uh, They kind of interrupted Capitals' reverie by beating the uh, otherwise undefeated Cougars 41-27. to What a game. It was a great game. They were uh, tied at 27 in the fourth quarter, and uh, Yelm scored the final two touchdowns to win it. Um, certainly not a loss that Capital is going to be disgraced over at all. They're, they're still on a uptrend from what they expected when the season started. So, um, you know, just a Yelm victory, but not a not a crushing blow for Capital because they're still ahead of where they thought they were. For the Tornadoes, quarterback Kyle Robinson, um, who's one of the guys we're going to hear from in the interview, he completed 14 of his 23 passes for 208 yards, including a touchdowns touchdowns to both Cody Gifford and Austin Oso. But as the game was winding down, they stuck mostly to the ground and got 110 tough rushing yards from Carson Ament. He got into the end zone twice in the second half. And remember Derek Platt, who we interviewed earlier in the season after he ran a fumble back 67 yards for a touchdown. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, this time he only did it from 50 yards out when he ran. <laughs> now it's getting back. easy, huh? It's getting easy for him. <laughs> but, yeah, he's a top linebacker in the area and maybe a candidate for uh, SCC, uh, SSC uh, Defensive Player of the Year. And, you know, it was a big one for Yelm. They uh, they got two wins in a row after that early loss to Central Kitsap, which was a tough one. They played uh, they played a night on the road at North Thurston. Yeah, okay. Well, let's uh, hear the interview and uh, what they had to say. All right, we're with uh, Carson Ament and Kyle Robinson from Yelm. You guys had a big win the other night over uh, Capital, which was the up-and-coming team in the area. They were undefeated going into that game. How important was that game to you guys going in? Um, it was pretty important uh, going in. Just uh, had a big win over Geek Harbor, trying to get back into the um, to the race for a league, league title, and you know the four and zero and be a big win for us. And and so, Kyle, how important is it to get back on a winning streak? You had uh, one win, now you got two. We had one, yeah. And then we lost two games in a row, which kind of sucked for us because we had huge expectations at the beginning of the year. Thought we were going to win the league title, and then now beating Capital that puts us right back in the race. Right. That's pretty cool. So early on that game, I'll let you guys talk about this. We'll talk to you first because it looked like you were uh, getting some uh, touchdown passes. Look like you oh, moved yeah. ball through the air. Yeah. And then the second half, it changed, and you guys went mostly to the ground. What 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 changed at halftime? I just think it changed. It didn't really change at halftime. I think at the end of the uh, third quarter, and then we started to have to run the ball because we wanted to um, elongate the game, kind of run the clock out, so then that way we can uh, limit them touching the ball because they were starting to move the ball a lot. So we wanted to limit their possession time and us just keep the ball the whole fourth quarter. So. And how tough is it to be the workhorse back in a situation like that? I mean, you carried the ball time and time again at that part of the game. Is that tough, or is it uh, just something you do? Um, it gets tough at times, but um, preseason and regular season, we've been this thing called the horn, where he blows a horn, and it's like a fourth quarter mentality, just mental toughness, and that's helped me out a lot. And just the encouragement from my teammates and coaches is just, just got to do it. Yep. Sounds like your JV team's doing pretty good over there. Is yeah. So what do you expect from North Thurston this week, either of you guys? So I think they're kind of in a different situation than us. We're in a spot where we can compete for a league title, and they're starting out 0-3. That doesn't mean they're not good. They just had a tough schedule or whatever. But um, they're going to want to beat us like a championship game because they want to take it away from us and win the league title. Yeah, I've heard they have a little bit of talent over there, though, some youngsters that are pretty yeah, good. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 
and so let's talk a little bit about the four-way tie which you don't see that too often it's early in the season so it happens but four teams tied for second place two and one behind three and peninsula but you guys control your own fate because if you were able to win out you'd have the tiebreaker by being peninsula yeah we do have we have it right in front of us we have uh Shel- or not Sheltman, uh northers in this week and we play peninsula so that's right where we want to be if we beat peninsula and then go on to beat timberline and that's the league title right there so we have it all in our in front of us anything to add to that um no i, I think we had a really good chance how happy are you guys to have Tim Peninsula here? It's pretty cool. Last year, I only got to play in one quarter because I didn't break my leg. That's right. That's right. So I want to come back even stronger than I was last year and kind of kick their ass. So. All right. Well, thanks, Kyle and Carson, and we will see what happens this Friday night over at South Sound Stadium. Did we say that on the radio? Uh, well, you just did. So, so a lot of talk about Peninsula. They're not looking past tonight's game, are they? No, I don't think so. Peninsula, though, um, we'll be talking about later on. We discussed Timberline's game, and they are – Proven very, very tough in the league, and yeah. uh, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, they, I don't think anybody's going to overlook anybody because okay. especially not Yelm. Somebody else might overlook somebody, but Yelm took that blow from uh, Central Kitsap, which may be a little bit better than Thurston, but at the same time it was a team that Yelm, you know, coming off what they had been coming off in their uh, preseason games, assumed they were going to win, and they obviously didn't. So I don't think they're going to overlook anybody ever again. Okay, and tonight is uh, North Thurston. They're 2-3 and three after losing to Gig Harbor. Uh, by a big score, fifty to eight. Uh, what about that game? Well, that game was obviously a, a, a tough blow for the Rams. I watched a little film on that, and they had some moments. Solomon Campbell rushed eighty-two yards for the Rams on fourteen carries. Juan Rodriguez only carried three times, but he averaged over ten yards because he ended up with thirty-one. And sophomore Zach Porter scored the uh, lone touchdown for the Rams. And you know it was interesting because North Thurston piled up a respectable three hundred and fifty-one yards of total offense. But they just couldn't sustain their drive. They only converted two of 12 first third downs. So that's kind of what happened. They're two and three overall. All their losses are in league play. And obviously, we just talked about the, the Elm team. They're coming in tonight. Not going to be overlooking them. Has a goal in front of them. And a year ago, the Tornadoes were 42 to 12 winners. So I would look for uh, Elm to win it. But as I mentioned in the uh, interview, Thurston's got some players. I mean, they're not devoid of talent. So at any moment, they could uh, put one together and pull an upset. All right, and uh, yeah, I think you're right exactly about that. And uh, Capital Cougars, or this is the next team, is uh, they were the victim of Yelm's uh, game last week. Uh, Capital Cougars, they are now four and one after falling to Yelm, and they're going to host Gig Harbor. Yeah, and I think with Capital, you know, I'm sure they're disappointed to lose, and they want to win again this week and get back on track. But you know, when we talked, we had an interview with a couple of their players before the season started, and they were basically these were two seniors who were basically saying, "Yeah, we want to be part of." Riding the ship, getting the program headed back in the right direction eventually, that kind of thing. And they came right out with four wins. So at this point, all bets are off on that rebuilding stuff, and they want to be in this mix. Um, you know, they still need to play capital and uh, Timberline just as Yelm does. So they kind of hold their own fate if they can manage to win all the rest of their games. So um, they're not out of anything at this point. And then that game uh, against Yelm, Grant Erickson, their quarterback, passed for 296 yards, two touchdowns. He also rushed for 52 yards and a pair of scores. Chris Penner, their stellar receiver, caught six of those passes, 114 yards, including a 63-yard TD. And Clayton Grady had a decent night running the ball for Capital for 84 yards on 19 carries. So they had some movement with the ball. As I said, they uh, they were uh, tied at 27 in the fourth quarter before Yelm scored those last two. So they were in that game, and no reason to think that they won't uh, put up good effort against Gig Harbor tonight at Ingersoll. Uh, tides are one and two in the conference. 
and that was their one win was over winless North Thurston, but they've given a couple of teams a battle in the league, and last year they slaughtered Capital 42-7, to but that was what we've come to know was a somewhat dispirited Capital team that was kind of winding up a season with turmoil of coaching changes under, uh, you know, strange circumstances and so forth, so might be a little bit different this time around. It's a different Capital Cougar football team tonight than it was a year ago. Uh, Timberline uh, is now 3-2 and two as the, the defending SSC champs uh, had a one-point loss to Peninsula on Thursday night, 28-27. to 27. Yeah, and that was a bitter rivalry game. It turns out uh, last year uh, Timberline won easily at Peninsula, and they felt like uh, – they felt like um, the Blazers had, had showed off a little bit too much after it was over, so it was uh, you know, a, not a friendly match. It was a little bit of a match of two teams that aren't, weren't that excited to see each other. Um, they went to overtime, tied at 21, and the Seahawks scored on their first possession, kicked the extra point. Timberline matched the touchdown, but they had a penalty on the touchdown that was going to be enforced on the, uh, on, the two, on the conversion try, and they decided it was too far to kick, so they tried for a... A two-pointer, and they threw an incomplete pass and lost at 28-27. So can't get much closer than that. That's, uh, you know, basically a tie, but in the, you know, somebody has to win it, modern game. Uh, it went to Peninsula, and they take the lead. They're 3-0. and Timberline's in that uh, four-way tie with 2-1. and So we'll see if they can battle their way out of that. They can't beat the first-place team anymore. They had the one shot at it. But, um, you know, with four teams tied and all of them, you know, controlling different quantities of their own fate who knows what kind of tie will end up at the end of the year and what the real tiebreaker might be by then yeah but uh hunter campow their senior quarterback we talk about him every week for good reason 19 of 28 complete passes this time for 228 yards uh eight different receivers caught passes including touchdowns to trevor jobert and jj graham and campow rushed for timberline's other two touchdowns as he carried 25 times for 72 yards and that's probably deceiving because i'm sure he was sacked a couple of times for negative yardage, so he might have been closer to, you know, 90 or 100 positive yards, but, you know, quarterbacks are always charged with some losses. Uh, He scored two runs, 14 and 19 yards out, and Max on East didn't get into the end zone, but he was the Blazers' leading receiver with five catches for 60 yards. All right, and tonight uh, they travel to winless Shelton, and maybe we'll roll these together as Shelton fell to Central Kitsap last week, 50 to nothing. They did, and last season uh, at South Sound Stadium, it was uh, Timberline sixty-two to nothing. So, yeah, not not um, a game that uh, you would want to uh, bet the house on the high climbers. That's for sure. Right. Okay. And then uh, let's uh, let's see. Oh, next my interview. Okay, what do we want to get to? Okay, let's talk about Shelton's game. Well, we got to talk a little bit about it. You know, they don't have too much to. Uh, Brag about, but they did have a few highlights. They suffered their third consecutive big loss, as you mentioned, being shut out by Central Kitsap. Uh, only got 45, 54 yards in total offense, but got a sack on defense from cornerback Dominique Monette and 116 yards in kick returns from senior Jason Kenyon. That's the one good thing when you get scored on, you can get a lot of kickoff return yardage. But um, as you mentioned, no, doesn't get any easier with the Blazers coming to town tonight. And uh, that'll be at uh, High Climber Stadium. So next up is my interview with Rebecca McLennan of Olympia Orthopedic Associates. I learned something in this talk about regenerative medicine and stem cell therapy. You'll want to hear it. That's next on Red Zone Talk. This is Olympia's KGY.
And we're back again with Red Zone Talk on Olympia's KGY. I'm Noel Wall. And with us again today is Rebecca from Olympia Orthopedic Associates. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? That's very good. It's always early. I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. Uh, Today, we're here to talk about regenerative medicine. And uh, I think to start with, Tell me a little bit about what regenerative medicine, it sounds like making things grow. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's actually uh, two sets of treatment that utilize the body's own natural healing abilities to help repair and uh, alleviate pain for orthopedic injuries. Okay, and you've got a couple of different ways you do this. And one of the ways you accomplish this is with stem cell treatments. These are not embryonic stem cells. These are mesenchymal stem cells. They come from your own body. They do. They actually come from uh, your bone marrow. So we call the mesenchymal cells uh, BMAC, our bone marrow aspirate concentrate. So we're taking it right from the patient's own body and uh, spinning it down, taking all the good stuff out and re-injecting it to uh, their injuries. To the injury site. And Mm -hmm. because these cells are a blank page, Mm -hmm. they tend to copy the cells in the area that they become introduced to. Yeah, so it's theorized that they're going to transform into the cells that are going to help that healing process um, occur more rapidly by taking the form of the cells that they're surrounded by. And that tends to work pretty well, I understand. Uh, Yeah, we've actually are getting uh, more and more studies about the BMAC stem cells. Uh, The uh, American Journal of Sports Medicine recently published a study that about 78% of the patients with knee osteoarthritis uh, that received um, injections showed a reduction in pain and uh, increased function in their knee after about a period of a year. Well, that's that's pretty dramatic. If uh, stem cells injected into damaged tissue, then can they take the form of the healthy tissues mm-hmm. and repair the damage. Besides uh, stem cell therapy, uh, you do PRP, platelet-rich plasma treatments. Right now, when I was in college, I donated or I didn't donate. I sold plasma. <laughs> There's a difference between a donation uh-huh. and a sale. Tell me about platelet-rich plasma. How different is that from what I was doing in college? Uh, it's actually not very different at all, other than the fact that we're taking a, a blood draw. And again, we're spinning it down in a centrifuge and we're taking out the uh, specialized proteins and then we're taking out the um, growth factors from your own blood and spinning that down and then re-injecting that into the site of injury. We, If I remember right, you know, we've heard about big time athletes doing this for a while. Correct. So this is something that this is not brand new. No, PRP is not brand new, and it's being utilized uh, more and more for non-operative medicine and in addition to a complementary medicine for surgical intervention as well. All right. So once it's injected, then um, the proteins and the growth factors, they help aid that healing of that area. Yeah, they're going to stimulate that healing response and decrease inflammation. And and what kind of you know, places that we talking about, uh, what, what are we talking about being able to hear? It's not because I, or to heal. It's not because I'm sore overnight because all of a sudden I went skiing. It's something more serious than that. Yeah, right. So this is, we're looking at people that have failed conservative management. So anti-inflammatories, physical therapy, cortisone injections, things like that. And so we're looking for the patients that have things like patellar tendonitis or uh, ligament sprains in the knee. Um, we can also treat it for various ligament and tendon injuries of the hip, uh, shoulder, and the lower leg and foot. And I know now tendon injuries have tended to take a long time historically to heal. Mm-hmm. So to get something that really helps that and makes that, how much of an advance does this help with, let's say, something like that that, you know, you might have been out six months or more before? 
Yeah, so uh, we're getting data in that it is uh, speeding up the healing process. Of, at Olympia Orthopedic, we have a very strict post-injection protocol. Um, the therapists in the area are all well aware of it. So we have um, lots of measures in place to really give that injection, that PRP injection, time to do its job by decreasing the inflammation and stimulating that healing process. And there are, you know, possibilities for knee pain, for hip pain, shoulders and arms, and, mm -hmm. you know, your lower legs and your feet, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So all of that. I know you have a, a couple of people that do the stem cell treatments at Olympia Orthopedics. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So Dr. Tracy Hamblin and Dr. Dominic Famiano at the Westside location offer both BMAC stem cell and PRP injections. And then we have uh, Dr. Leela Borders, who offers PRP at the West Side. And then Dr. Richard Lamore at the East Side location, who is our foot and ankle and sports med surgeon, uh, offers PRP for the lower extremity. So there are plenty of um, skilled people to go around at Olympia yeah. Orthopedic for this. So uh, I think the first thing people want to know, or maybe this almost last thing is, uh, you know, are these treatments safe? What's the risk? Yeah, so these treatments are extremely safe because of the stem cells and the uh, the fluids that we use are coming, they're autogous, so they're coming from um, the patient's own body. They actually never leave the room from the patient, and so we're just re-injecting their uh, own stem cells or their own uh, platelets and uh, growth factors right back into their um, site of injury. So it's extremely safe and fairly effective at this point. All right. And in my dis in my study for this, you know, discussion this morning, I did see that in other places where uh, not just for what you're doing at Olympia Orthopedic, but other fields of medicine around the country, you know, they do the same thing. They take it out of the hip. It never leaves the room where the patient is, you mm -hmm. know, and all that. And so that's seems to be a very, um, you know, it's appealing for people to, to not have to worry about where that thing went. Uh, the last thing, I guess, is, you know, tell me about the effectiveness of these regenerative treatments. Uh, so, like I mentioned, we're getting more and more studies out now uh, that are showing uh, significant improvements, both in clinical symptoms and patient-reported outcomes. Um, we're having lots of success with particularly knee arthritis and stem cell. But one important thing to remember as a patient or somebody who is interested in doing stem cell or PRP is that it's not right for every injury, and it's really best to uh, speak with a physician who is thoroughly trained and board certified in order to determine if uh, you're a good candidate for these things um, because they are not covered by insurances and can be rather expensive. So you want to have somebody who is an expert in uh, stem cell and, and PRP because it is not a cure-all yeah. for all disease. Okay. Yeah. So let's say uh, I feel like I have an issue and I want to find out if I'm a candidate. What do I do? So you give us a call at Olympia Orthopedic Associates at 360-709-6230 or you can visit us at oleortho.com and uh, make an appointment through our web portal for a regenerative medicine appointment. All right. Regenerative medicine, it's a kind of a new field and something that is really changing the face of medicine. Uh, Rebecca, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Noel. All right. And we'll be right back after this time out on 95.3 Olympias KGY. This is Red Zone Talk. And welcome back once again to finish up our look at local teams on Red Zone Talk with Noel Wall and Dave Weber. And we're going to move on to the 2A that we skipped a little bit earlier in the EVCO uh, League. The Rochester Warriors are 1-4. Uh, and four. Uh, They get blanked by the powerhouse Tumwater T-Birds, 63 to nothing. 
Yeah, not much to really talk about from the Rochester end in that game, but uh, they, uh, you know, they wanted that game. We've talked about this before. They uh, started out when they joined the 2AFCO, their administration and coaching staff at that time, part of the conditions they wanted to join that league was they would just concede the game to Tumwater and not play it. Um, but when John Moorhead took over as head coach, he insisted on playing Tumwater. I'm sure he knew it was very possible they would lose a big by a big score, but they got the birds at home. And, you know, just getting Tumwater, one of the top teams ever in the state to come to your place for a game, that's a good step for their program just to have people in town see what it looks like. That's what a good 2A team looks like. That's what yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so that was a good thing for them. Um, they'll travel to WF West tonight. Bearcats lost last week 26-17, to 17, but that was to ninth-ranked Black Hills, which is a pretty good ball club. So Bearcats are tough. And last year in a pretty high-scoring game, Rochester fell to WF West. 54 to 20. All right. Well, with Tumwater, the bar has been set at 63. So now next year, you know, you got something to look at and see if you can uh, do better than that. Black Hills, they remain 5 and 0. As you said, they beat WF West. Uh, that was a pretty good game. WF West falling to 2 and 3. Yeah. And the Wolves moved up a spot in the rankings. They were number 10. Now they're number 9. Um, pretty exciting for people in the Tumwater area. Both of the teams. Both of their high schools are in the top nine in the state. Not too bad. And they had routed uh, then-ranked Pullman in their final non-league game. And then WF West is that tough team. They're like the capital or Yelm of their league, the one that's uh, you know that's kind of tough, may not win the league, but they're right around it. They're going to give the top teams trouble. Uh, Bearcats cut an early Black Hills lead down to a single point in the fourth quarter. But Ethan Loveless came back to throw a touchdown pass to Josh Rogers to give the Wolves some breathing room. And most of the night, WF West was – Disrupting the Wolves' passing attack, but Black Hills got another strong running night from their uh, small but very, very quick and smart running back, Taylor Simmons. He rushed for 103 yards on 13 carries, and their turnover-minded defense forced two fumbles in the final quarter, one that set up Rodgers' touchdown from uh, Loveless and a later one to stop WF West's last-ditch drive. And they've uh, forced almost 20 turnovers already this season, so... That's something that the Wolves' defense does really well. Anytime you can force a bunch of turnovers, you really, really uh, give the offense a break on stuff like that. Yep. And Black Hills will host 1-4 and four Centralia. The Tigers coming to town. They will, and the Tigers lost their league opener 21-14 to to Aberdeen last week. And is, But a season ago, it was a very close game with Centralia for Black Hills. They only won it 26-20. to And I think Black Hills probably has elevated how good they are since then, but... Uh, just goes to show you that you can't uh, can't throw the Tigers out of the mix. I saw them a couple times last year, and uh, they certainly weren't the best team in the league. But they've got they've got uh, spots where they've got talent. And when you talk about not overlooking people, that's another team you don't want to overlook. All right, absolutely. Tumwater T-Birds remain undefeated. That big win over Rochester we talked about earlier. Highlights for the Birds? Yeah, there's some highlights for the Birds, but they aren't as dramatic as they usually are because they spread the love around with their running backs, uh, Zane Murphy who was uh, more often talked about last year than than he has been so far this year. He got the T-Birds player of the game on uh, max preps. He carried seven times for 55 yards and three touchdowns. And Dylan Loftus, uh, the newcoming Dylan who moved in from Minnesota, he carried five times for 79 yards and three TDs. And, you know, you didn't hear the name Dylan Payne this week because the main mainstay was put you know to the back burner because they were sprinting around a little bit. They did pile up 462 yards of total offense, 414 on the ground, fairly typical for them. Uh, defensively, Kyle Mancius had an interception. Caden Hicks recovered a fumble. 
Scott Dubois had a sack. So they were they were active all over the place and um, go on the road again this week to face the uh, Aberdeen Bobcats. Yeah, they travel to Stewart Field to face one and four Bobcats. So they got their first win last Friday, as you said. However, last year it was a Rochester-like outcome for Aberdeen. They lost to uh, Tumwater sixty to nothing. So. Um, be tough for me to imagine that the uh, pendulum has swung 61 points in Aberdeen's direction since last season. And the T-Birds, absolutely, we've said this before, just fill the sideline when they come to town. And that's something that's intimidating to a lot of teams, I think. Yeah, they they will go. I've, I've counted them during the anthem before and uh, gone past 100 in the number of kids that are dressed. Yeah, I games. have done that too. And yeah. you got every number and... Then, and then what do you do? <laughs> they they actually may be fairly collegiate. I think they've got a couple duplicate numbers out there at times. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 impressive. And the one thing that you want to say that we haven't, I don't think we've talked too much about coaches on this show. Probably should talk a little bit more one once in a while. Bill Beatty going over there from Olympia, where he was a very good coach, and you know people were worried about, oh no, what happens when Sid retires? You keep winning with yeah, Bill Beatty. you keep winning. So he's he's done a great job. He's got. Uh, like I said, he's not afraid to use his players. I remember last year there was a game where one of their playoff games, a kid that barely had played all season long, uh, carried for a critical touchdown during the playoff game, and I asked him after the game, what was that all about? And he said, oh, I was thinking in my mind, we run this play, we need somebody to cut back to the middle, and this guy was the perfect kid to do it, so we put him in the game. So I mean, he, he has a, a good program going, and he knows how to use everybody he's got, and I don't think there's going to be any change in uh, – Tom Waters' level of success with Beatty there at all. All right. Well, we uh, certainly hope that's true. Uh, noteworthy, on a side note, 5-0 uh, and o Hawkinson. They stay unbeaten. They beat previously unbeaten Woodland 42-27. You probably didn't really pay a lot of attention to that game, but uh, you predicted that outcome last week. I did, and, you know, I, I, I'll predict another outcome. Um, I would not be surprised if we're sitting up at the Tacoma Dome in a, a month or two, however long that is, till the – title game, and we see another Hawkinson. It's a rematch. Final. Yeah, I mean, depending on how the seedings go, and they have that committee this year to seed it, so they should be in opposite brackets, which would mean that if they both took care of business, they would meet in the final. And I would be looking forward to it. It would be interesting to see how that goes. It's kind of a battle of styles. Hawkinson is a wide-open passing team. Tumwater is still uh, pretty close to the vest. You know, with the, the wing tee, they carry the ball more than they throw it. But um, good conflict of styles is always makes for a good game to watch, and uh, – We'll see if it gets to that. I hope it does. All right. And we'll move on to 4A, South Puget Sound League there. Uh, the Bears, tough to find a win. Lost to Graham Kapowson in a big way. Yeah, and Graham Kapowson, though, people down here, I, you know, it's kind of tough. I wonder sometimes, I assume, I assume people that follow the Bears uh, religiously know the teams now in the SPSL, but, you know, the average fan down here when Olympia and River Ridge play in the SPSL, I'm not sure they really know who these teams are, but Graham Kapowson's ranked fifth in the state. We talked about last week they have Dylan Morris, who's a uh, quarterback of the future for the UW Huskies, and he came to town and uh, threw a mere five touchdown passes to four different receivers to uh, blank the Bears, and you know, it's just a tough league for them to play in. We talk about the, the 2B Mountain League, or you talk about the Evco with Black Hills and Tumwater. Um, that 4A SPSL is loaded. Grand Kapowson's not in first place. You know, the Bears have lost big games to Grand Kapowson and Sumner, Neither one of those is in first place. Pialp is so um, just a tough league to play against, and they uh, they're they're rebuilding a little bit. We talked about way back at the beginning how they had twenty one of twenty two junior starters instead of seniors. So 
you know, that's not sophomores, but it's not seniors either. So Bears uh, in the midst of a rebuilding thing, and uh, guess who they get to play this And they're week? on the road. On the road against first place P. All of Saturday. Saturday game, not not tonight. But um, they're undefeated in uh, SPSL 4-0. They had a real battle with uh, Grand Kapowski a couple weeks ago in which uh, they fell behind, came back, tied it, and finally went ahead to win. They're ranked fourth in the AP poll, and they actually lost last week, uh, 38-31. 38-31, mind that score, to top-ranked Union in a non-conference game. Man. The SPSL, you get one non-league game. It's an odd number of teams in their league. So teams are playing, one of the teams will be playing a non-league game on the ninth week, and that's the way it works. So this, they're, they're a chance to play a non-league game. Uh, Pialops came up last week, and they uh, played Union, best team in the state, according to the voters in the AP poll, and they lost it by seven. So really good Pialop team. They shut out Ole last year down here, 47 to nothing. So another tough task as Olympia goes up to Sparks. It will be tough. They'd like to get back to uh, last year. They were 50-50. Uh, wins and losses, um, it's a tough road to get there now. Yeah, but you know, one good thing, they've played some of the, the after that game is over, they will have played uh, GK and Puyallup, the top two teams. They've already played Sumner. Um, that's true, that's true. I, so the yeah, road may get a little easier. may get a little easier. I think Curtis is still hanging out there, and Curtis has had a good team, but um, they may, you know, against some of the lesser lights. I think they, they have the one win over Emerald Ridge, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, when they get down at their level at the, the past those, top-ranked teams, they should do well. All right, well, there we have it. A look at the local programs and uh, what happened last week, what might happen tonight. There are 145 high school football games tonight. Did you know 27 teams are undefeated after five weeks? I did not know. What do you think about that? 30 teams are looking for their first win. That's balanced. Unfortunate, it's kind of balanced. So at least three teams will record their first loss tonight as we got undefeated against undefeated, and three teams will come up with their first win. Tonight's weather looks a little sketchy, but uh, have no fear. Uh, The rain is supposed to be tapering off uh, that's uh, scheduled to be through the day. Uh, So, you know, get out and see a game. And when you talk about undefeated teams, though, people should remember, out of those 27 teams, there's only a possibility that six of them will end up undefeated. That's right. There cannot be, uh, you cannot end your season on a win unless you're the state champion, so... If any of those undefeated teams can make their way to the state title game without a loss, we may have somebody go undefeated. If not, there might not be any. Right, right. At least 20, 21 teams are going to get a loss there. Uh, Cougars played well last week against Utah, won that game 28-24. Yeah, and I think that uh, may make even UW fans feel a little bit better because UW fans were not happy with uh, Utah giving their team a battle the week before that. And yet Utah gave uh, Washington State all they could handle, but uh, – this year they go. To, I think they're down at Oregon State, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. yep. And they're looking for their first first Pac-12 victory of the season. Um, so I'd probably go with the Cougars in that one. All right, Huskies. Meanwhile, dominated BYU at home, 35 to seven. They did, and BYU is ranked 20th. So what happens this week? They play number 18 Oregon, and they have clobbered Oregon the last two seasons. But before that, as Husky fans know all too well, they lost to Oregon like 12 times in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So. It's likely a third straight Husky victory, but uh, Oregon's ranked 18th, and they're at home, and it's not going to be as easy for the Huskies as the last two. All right, and the Seahawks got a uh, costly win over Arizona Cardinal 20-17 to in a game where both kickers missed two of three field goal attempts. But more importantly for Seahawks, we lost two important players, including Earl Thomas. 
Yeah, two new starters on defense against a uh, L.A. Rams team that scored at least 33 points in its four wins to start the season. That could be pretty tough, but you know, at least Seattle will be at home. They will be at home, uh, but that's not going to make it easy because uh, they're going to hosting the uh, undefeated L.A. Rams. Yeah, the Rams are pretty good. Like I said, they've averaged, um, what is that, almost five touchdowns a game, 33 points. So they're going to be tough to uh, to handle. It's interesting to see how the Rams have bounced back the last couple of seasons to become one of the better programs. Well, I don't know if you call NFL team a program, but one of the better teams in the league. Yeah, yeah. I saw the Russell Wilson Wheaties box in the store the other day. Oh, yeah? No, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, That's, so that'll, that'll be interesting. It's there. Well, the, the offense and the defense better both be on their game. Uh, speaking of the game, you can hear it on our sister station, 96.9 KAYO. The kickoff is at 125. Pre-game starts at 11 o'clock. Uh, Red Zone Talk Tailgaters will be at South Sound Stadium for the North Thurston Yelm matchup. Stop by, player toss game. You could win your way into the My Morbid Mind Haunted Barn in Lacey. Thanks to Kevin and the My Morbid Mind people. Uh, they have a great haunt, a top five haunt in Washington State. Uh, and thanks to Olympic uh, Orthopedic, Olympia Orthopedic Associates. Uh, and thanks to you for joining us this week. Find the podcast on KGYFM. Uh, thank you, Dave, very much for your time. Oh, not a problem at all. I'd love to do this. All right. Email us, rzt at kgyfm.com. But most of all, join us next Friday, 830, for Red Zone Talk right here on Olympia's 95.3 KGY.